today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8. If you have your Bible, let's open up there. And I was just thinking about the Proverbs and I'm so grateful for them in my life. I believe that in so many ways it's rescued me, uh, these truths that we learn. And uh, I was thinking about how in life, you know, we have uh, those examples of individuals that are just really good at things. You know, I think of Mike Trout and just what an excellent baseball player he is. Or some of these musicians. I think of my brother Darren here who is an excellent cook i mean amazing no hints or anything i'm just saying an amazing cook and just you know my sister elizabeth the way she prays and andrew the way he serves and ariana the way she sings so many things you get you get these people that they're just really good at certain things they have this skill that they've cultivated you know and so uh, what the proverbs are is the book of wisdom and this is what it is you guys these are people who are good at living life imagine that you know the skill of living life they they got wisdom they got the holy spirit they got the truth they got these things in their heart and they have cultivated the skill of living life and you look at their life and they're and they're blessed and yeah we all have different struggles and different situations but you look at this individual's life and they are just filled with the spirit and the word and wisdom. And man, what a beautiful life they have. And that's the benefit, I think, of going through the Proverbs. And so my prayer is that that would be us, that that would be you, that you would be blessed with this skill of living life for the glory of God and the good of his people. Here in Proverbs chapter 8, there's a few things that maybe we can kind of divide it up into. Number one is the reach of wisdom. The reach of wisdom. God's coming after you. He's reaching for you. Number two is the reasons for wisdom. This is why we should respond to his reach. And then number three, the riches of wisdom. And we're going to see just a few samples today. But we begin reading here in Proverbs chapter 8. We read in, in verse 1, Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? We're going to see the personification of it. It's this uh, female here uh, crying out. We hear the cry, the voice, the invitation of wisdom. Do you want to be wise? You're all invited to be wise. Notice where she is there in verse 2. It says she takes her stand on top of the high hill, beside the way, where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. And, and all that to say is that she wants everyone to hear. She positions herself in a place so that everyone could come. And so God, I think, I don't know if you hear the cry or the call, but God is calling us to wisdom. Notice there in verse 4, to, to you, O, o men, and that would be more of the nobility, I call and my voice is to the sons of men. Now in the Hebrew language, it's more of a, that we would call them the common man. But basically it's everyone, men, women, noble, doesn't matter. O you simple ones, understand prudence and you fools even be of an understanding heart. You know, it's, it's the men. 
their sons, the simple ones. Those are, are the young guys, the inexperienced, the, the naive. They're all invited. Even fools are invited because God can save and sanctify any life. You know, I've told you guys many times that growing up, I had no direction. I had no common sense. I, I would say that I was a fool, but God has given me his word and God has given me his grace. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. It's, it's just a, a, a bummer when you see some people, they just stay in that foolish place. They keep fooling around all their life. They never get out of the rut that they're in. I, I agree with Mr. T. I think he said, I pity the fool. Remember, he said that, right? I mean, you do. You pity them. What a drug. Why would they choose to stay there when the wisdom of God has invited them? So loudly, so clearly, so repeatedly. You know, the guy or gal, they, they don't have a clue. They, they never grow up. They still, after all these years, are doing the same thing. There's no life, no love, no power, no peace, no freedom. They never, ever responded to the invitation to come, ultimately, to Christ, who is the wisdom of God. You know, and I know probably all of you here have responded to Jesus, but man, if you haven't, maybe you're watching and you've never responded to Jesus. He's knocking on your heart right now. He's calling you, come to me. And whatever you do, even as a Christian, don't just come half-heartedly. I mean, come all the way in. Make Jesus your life. That, that's the response that we need to have as he's inviting us. You know, we've all been invited to things. And we all have to make a decision of whether or not we will respond, we will attend, we will come. And so uh, the choice is whether or not you want to continue to live a full life, F-O-O-L, or a full life, F-U-L-L. And I have found the Lord to definitely provide a full F-U-L-L life. It's a great adventure when you are serving the Lord. And so what we, we see here is the invitation goes out to everyone at, that there's hope for anyone if you're open to wisdom. You know, we can actually become people of good standing really because there's hope to become people of understanding. We, we see that there again in verse 5. Notice it says, Oh, you simple ones, understand Prudence and you fools be of an understanding heart. And, and as wisdom calls passionately from prominent places publicly to all people, notice how we're called to listen and why we're called to listen. So God is chasing you, God is reaching for you. There, there's the reach of wisdom. But now there's the, the reason for wisdom. Why should I respond? Here, notice what he says in, in verse 6. He says, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak the truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Listen, wisdom says, listen to me, for 
I will speak of excellent things. It's a good reason to listen. You know, this person, this God, this book, it speaks excellent things. And of course, we like the word excellent because I I know we all have that desire not just to uh, survive but to thrive. We want to excel in life for the glory of God. Later we're going to see Proverbs 22.20 Have I not written to you excellent things of counsel and knowledge? In 1 Corinthians 12.31 You may remember when we went through the book Paul said but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. You know that's what we want. We don't want to just you know meander through life. Uh, We want you know, to be on this road to heaven, take as many people with us as we can, see signs and, and wonders and hear the voice of God, experience love and peace and joy and all the good things that God has for us. It's an excellent life. Now, these are reasons to listen to wisdom. Number one, the excellent things. Number two, the right things. Notice again there in verse 6, he says, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. And believe it or not, we're living in a world that is very, very confused as to what is right and, and wrong. They don't know what's good or bad. They don't know what's up or down. They don't believe in absolutes because they don't believe in God. They, they hold to what's called cultural relativism where the people or the population or the athletes or the actors of all people think about that. The crooked politicians. We're living in a world where the immoral majority is actually setting the standards for society. They don't know what's right. And that's why he's saying, you know, God's saying, you know, wisdom is saying, listen to me because I speak excellent things. Listen to me. For I speak the things that are right. I mean, the world thinks pride is proper. They think gay is good. And so they set aside an entire month to celebrate that wicked combination when both will cast a soul into hell and to keep it there forever and ever. And they call that love. I mean, they're just discombobulated. And this is why it's so important to, to listen to the wisdom of God's word who happens to be the one who made everything and everyone. We need to listen because here we see what's right. And not even in your own heart. You might even be here thinking, well, I know what's right because I'm a Christian. But the Bible even says, hey, there, there is a way to a man who seems right. But at the end of the day, this is a litmus test. This book right here, this Bible, this revelation from God, this is what tells us what's right. You know, we're, we're living in crazy days, huh, guys? We're living in crazy days. They say it's okay to have a protest. You don't have to worry about that with the whole virus going on, but you can't go to church. And I like what Jack Hibbs said. He said, okay, then we'll call this a protest. I guess that'll make it okay. You know, and it's crazy. And they say, oh, that didn't affect anybody. That didn't create any sickness. I mean, talk about, I mean, weird stuff. I mean, even I, I'm a pretty gullible guy. Even I know they're lying, (laughs) you know. But um, the world right now is inside out. It's upside down. 
And that's why we need the word. I mean, of course, it's not the first time it's happened. Back in Isaiah's day in chapter 5 and verse 20, he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And so there was a day, back in Isaiah's day, they called good evil and evil good. And of course, you know that we as a church, we're living in days where they might look at us, a lot of the world, and they say we're bad. Uh, and the day's going to come, and, and unless the Lord intervenes, unless there's a great awakening, and of course we're praying for something like that, but the things that we preach, eventually it's going to be illegal, but that's okay, we won't stop preaching. Right? And so that's how it was even in Isaiah's day. And so it's not the first time, but it might be the worst time because we are approaching the end of time. And the devil knows that his time is short. And I don't know how you feel, and maybe you're out there and you've got different opinions. Some people are probably thinking, hey, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I think it might get worse. I don't know. I know we need to brace ourselves for whatever comes. Like we already saying, God's on the throne. He's in control. We're not worried about that. All we're, we're just, when Lord, um, it, it looks like the rapture can happen at any moment. Because the signs of the times and the way that everything is being set up for the one world government, the, the signs of the times, you know, is telling me those are things we see in the book of Revelation. And we're going to start uh, studying the book of Revelation on Sundays. And so that's going to be a blessing. But prior to the, the whole tribulation period, it comes the rapture. We're out of here. And so I don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But I think, man, we're living in the season. And so um, here in, in Proverbs, we see the reach of wisdom and we see the reasons that we should respond to that reach. Number one, because it's excellent things. Number two, they're right things. Number three, they're true things. Notice what you read here in, in verse uh, 7. It says, for my mouth will speak true. Remember Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 38, he said, what is truth? It's probably because he didn't care or he didn't think it was possible to know. But the, the reality is that that's what truth is. It's reality. Truth is fact. Truth is God's word. Remember what Jesus prayed in John 17, 17? Sanctify them by your truth. Your truth is your word, right? Your word is truth. And so um, the, there's a sanctifying that takes place. You know, when you guys, I'm so blessed to see you here. I am so blessed. And I know those of you who actually watch on live stream faithfully. I'm so blessed by people. They should have a hunger for God's word. Because God's word is a living word. God's word is the truth. God's word is a working word. And when you're in it and your heart is open to it, God sanctifies us. And like the song that Ariana was singing earlier, Lord, make us like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. And next thing you know, you're more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. 
And that's what the Word of God does. And that's why we love it. You know, how important it is to love and learn and listen to the Word and the wisdom of God because it's truth from the top in the land of lies that are below. We are saturated by lies. And that's why it's so important to know the truth. So the writer, he says here in verse 6, listen. And, and he gives great reasons why. You know, you guys probably know 300 years before Christ, the Greek philosopher Zeno, he, he made that famous statement and observation. He said, the reason we have two ears and one mouth is that we may listen more and talk less. And that's what God says here. Listen, but we also need to be careful what we listen to. Or who we listen to. You can't just listen to anybody. I mean, what you are what you eat. Jesus told us to take heed how we hear in Luke 8.18. 8, and he told us to take heed what we hear in Mark 4.24. So take heed how you hear. Are you listening with an open heart? Are, are, you, are you listening with like the Bereans who are searching their scriptures and making sure what he's saying is true. Take heed how you hear. But he also said, take heed what you hear. You want to make sure that you are being fed good food. People that will teach you the scriptures. You know, as I read this right here about these excellent things and right things, what I find is that Lucifer has many lies and there are many people talking trash and human speculation, wasting my time. And what God wants us to be engaged in is not all that speculation, but the revelation. Lord, give me truth. You know, I think of the scriptures when I, when I see this. Notice again the way it's worded in verse 7. He says, listen, um, verse 7, for my mouth will speak truth. He, he says, wickedness is an abomination to my lips all the words of my mouth are with righteousness nothing crooked or perverse is in them they are all plain to him notice they are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge I mean look at verse 8 all the words of my mouth are with righteousness now, when I when I read this right here, there's no doubt it, it brings to my mind that what he's talking about is at the end of the day the Bible, because the, the Bible is the only source that can say every word is right, and that's why the Scripture even says in Second Timothy three three sixteen, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness and that's what he's talking about right here the contrast between righteousness and wickedness and that's why you know uh, and I've, I'll probably say this every time I teach the Proverbs more than likely I'll probably share with you guys that um, I encourage you to read a proverb every day you know today what's today the second so what would you read Proverbs chapter 2 because there's one for each day of the month I'm telling you it's a great investment you know, so much of what we're reading right here, I think at the end of the day, can be summarized in the Bible as a whole. 
what he's saying is to listen. We're, we're to believe it. We're to receive it. Notice what we read there in verse 10. Re- receive my instruction and, and not silver and, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. You know, and if I were to ask you the question, does God have a rival? Does God have a rival? Um, In many hearts, he does. And the rival is money. And the things that money can buy that sap our spiritual strength. And that's why you're going to see it over and over again in the Proverbs. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, Listen, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and, and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and mammon. And, and you know, we, we follow suit theologically and intellectually. Yeah, I don't worship money. But, but here's that pursuit. God sees that's the pursuit of your heart. God sees it. In living in America, all this stuff, that they tell us that we need, that we have to have. God sees it. You know, I like that passage. If you want to turn uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this is so important for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, we would say godliness, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to live holy. But then he makes it specific in the aspect of, are you content? Are you content with the stuff that you have or do you always want bigger, better, faster and more? No, no, godliness with contentment is great gain because we bought nothing into the world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, and there it is right there, that's the key in in many Christian hearts. At the end of the day, God sees they want more money. He says those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And here it is. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. You know, like I said earlier, we, we follow suit theologically and I think intellectually, but oftentimes the pursuit of our heart in, in all practicality is it's all about, you know, the American dreams. You know, I've been fed the American dream and it ends up becoming a nightmare because the life that God wanted me to live for Him becomes ruined. Or maybe you've been fed the Christian compromise that it's okay to have, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a couple of masters. And God says, no, either I'm Lord of all 
or I'm not Lord at all. Because eventually the heart will be exposed for everyone to see. That's why it's so important that we don't mess around, that we don't stroke sin, that we realize that our life is not our own, that we've been bought with a price. You know, I mean, I just, I just see a lot of times the, the church and, you know, praise God, you know, for, uh, I don't know, you know, there should, things should be different. God's got a light of fire in, in people's hearts. And I see that a lot of times people are not serving the way they should. You know, what we find is that God here says we are to receive this instruction. And, and that's why it's so important to have that heart of holiness. Look at verse 12. He says, I wisdom, I, I dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and, and discretion. He says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. And so, again, there's we can't cover everything here, but, you know, there's so much. I encourage you, man, dig in as God would lead you. But really, when you consider this in context, it's kind of like you have one voice. It's the wisdom from above. And you have another voice. It's the wisdom from below. And God says, I hate that wisdom from below. I hate that perverse mouth. And, and you're going to hear the, the mouth. You're going to hear the mantra. You're going to hear the message of the world. And God says, I, I hate it. I mean, so many things that it does to different degrees. I, uh, the Nazis and the citizens of Germany would say, Hail Hitler, and they would have that hand signal, and they would then be the ones that would be led to slaughter six million Jews. God says, I hate the way they say that. I hate the perverse mouth. They don't call it what it is. Uh, they don't call it adultery. They call it an affair. They don't call it sin. They call it a disease. They don't call it murder or the taking of a life or even abortion. They use their voice and call it choice. And in the U.S., after Roe versus Wade, 62 million Children have been murdered, and in the world since 1980, 1. 1.6 billion children have been killed. Imagine if they just called it what it is. It's murder. It's the taking of a life. But God says that whole, the way that the wisdom from below, and they're so cunning, and they're so strategic in the very words that they use. And, and, and God says, I, that, I hate that. The perverse mouth I hate, and it requires a, a tremendous amount of biblical discernment and knowledge to be able to be able to make a distinction between that message and, and his message. No, it's not a disease, bro. It's sin. You know, and, and it's just the way that we see the world is going all because of the unrighteous rhetoric that spews forth from the perversity of their mouths. I, I hope and pray that we see this evening the reach of wisdom, how God is reaching. God is saying, hey, you know, Andrew, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm after you, man. You are, you are already on this road to be a wise guy, a man of wisdom. Some men never get there. 
young guys, doesn't matter how old you are, young gals, it doesn't matter. You're going to have more wisdom than those who have been living long lives. You know, recently my son Aaron got his wisdom teeth pulled. And praise God, I think he's still alive. I think he's doing okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we were just talking. One day we were asking a conversation, why do they call it wisdom teeth? And we kind of had an idea, but we just wanted to verify it. And we we're not lying. And they say that the reason they call it a wisdom teeth is because uh, those are the last teeth that come in. And they actually say that they come in between, on the average, between the ages of 12 and 13. They begin to show up at that age. And I thought that was interesting because the Jews, their bar mitzvah, it happens uh, when the, the boys are, are 13 and the girls are 12. And so it's interesting because the Jews even say that girls mature faster than, than guys, and I see that too. But, you know, that's at that age where they become a child, a son of the law, at that age. So the wisdom teeth are coming in at that age, and, and here you are submitting yourself to the Word at that age. And what we find is that they go hand in hand, the Word of God and the wisdom of God. And so, you know, sometimes you, you get, you know, 12 or 13-year-olds, and every once in a while, like Gianna, maybe, you know, they're wise, but usually, <laughs> usually, they, you know, it takes a lot more years and sometimes, huh, you guys know, it never happens. I praise God for the Bible. Because I would have never had a chance if I didn't have the Bible. I thank God for my pastor, the people who have taught me the Bible. Because here is, you know, the wisdom. It's more important than than gold or silver. That's what you read here. We're going to read it again later. We've got to know that wisdom's reaching for us. And we've got to know there are some valid reasons for wisdom. Notice there in verse 14, he says, Counsel is mind and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. You know, if men in authority need wisdom, and we know they do, it's for justice and not advantage. You know, kings need much more than the family blood. Rulers need much more than rules. Princes need much more than that education that might come from Princeton University. It's not the degree, God says. It's not the degree. It's me. And Solomon, when he became king, God appeared to him and said, Solomon, what would you like? And Solomon said, Lord, the one thing I ask for is wisdom. And, and literally in the Hebrew language, it was a hearing heart. And that's what leaders need. That's what pastors need. That's what godly men and women need. You know, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. It's not, you know, us and our knowledge, because we might lean too much to that knowledge. No, it's, it's the Lord. And He will lead us intimately, and He will guide us personally. And that's how kings and rulers 
reign. He says, you need my counsel, you need my wisdom, you need my understanding, you need my strength. God is willing to provide all that and to lead us and guide us every step of the way. And it even gets better. Look at verse 17. He says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Now, I don't know where you guys are. I'm not sure. Those of you watching uh, via the live stream, Maybe you have it in your heart or your mind that for whatever reason you can't really reach that certain plateau. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm you know, not as smart or whatever. I didn't graduate from high school. Listen, none of that matters. God can take anyone and bless them with wisdom. And as you have this life of wisdom, you have a life of love. He says right there, I love those who, who love me. You know, and looking at this chapter, there are fine lines between wisdom and the personification of wisdom and just the Lord of wisdom himself. It's all kind of intertwined. And, you know, and it's here and only here when you're living this life. And I don't know about you, but I mean, that's one of the big ones that I want in life. Is love. And, and that's what he says. I, I love those who love me. But it won't come if you live only half-heartedly. Uh, for me, if you seek him casually, then you won't find this. To experience the fullness of life, we must seek him diligently. And that's why a lot of times Christians are the most frustrated people in the world. And they're the, the most puzzled people in the world. Because they're like, well, I gave my life to Christ and, I, and you are saved because it only takes a little bit of faith to go to heaven. But, but a lot of times it's because you haven't really given him every single area of your life and you haven't sought the Lord you know, diligently. And again, I know the context here is wisdom, but you, know, you can't help think of that beautiful promise. I was wondering if you could turn to Jeremiah 29 and probably a lot of you know this by heart but remember the context here the the jews were in captivity the jews were in babylon and god said this listen i know the thoughts that i think toward you says the lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope you know, and I know this is definitely uh, stretching it a little bit, but the Jews were in Babylon, uh, and they wanted to be in Jerusalem. They, they wanted to go to the temple, and people at home, and some of you guys are older, and just in different situations, and you might even feel like a little bit of bondage, a little bit of Babylon. You're like, man, I want to go back to the temple. Uh, I feel like I'm trapped here in my house. And God said, don't lose heart. I got a promise for you. I'm thinking about you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil. They give you a future and a hope. It's going to happen. And then you will call upon me, it says there in verse 12, and, and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with half your heart. No, I'm just joking. Doesn't say that. Uh, I'll be honest, man. Are we seeking God with all our heart? He says the promise says it's a conditional promise that if we seek Him 
with all our hearts. You know, my prayer is that you come back to church as God would lead you, and hopefully you're open to that. I know there are some people who are going out there, and again, I'm not trying to get the wrong people, man. That's the one thing about sharing the truth of God's word is that, you know, it's not intended necessarily to cut every single heart, but maybe there's a heart out there. At the end of the day, you're saying, well, that's essential and you're going to buy clothes and and that's essential and you're going to buy food that you don't really need, just kind of extra stuff, and that's essential. You're going there and here and there, but you haven't been here yet. And, And to me, I'm like, this is essential, I know it's risky, and I know there are some that God himself might say, wait. But be so careful that, that we don't use this as a way to say, I'm just going to kind of take the easy road. Now, I pray that we would gather together, especially in times like this, because I tell you, I need it, we need it. I mean, it is a blessing to see the people that are here but at the end of the day, what God is saying is, i got a future for you. You're going to go back to the temple. I've been thinking about you, and you will find me when you search for me, God says, with all of your heart. When you do, you're going to experience love. Again, not to put a burden on anyone that's too hard to bear, but I think we can't really say that we're seeking God diligently if we're not praying obediently and that's what jeremiah says you know we see here the the reach of of wisdom we see here the reasons for wisdom and then we see next the riches of wisdom and we've already talked a little bit about this but notice what he says next in in verse 18 he says riches and and honor are, are with me enduring riches and righteousness he says my my fruit is better than gold yes than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver i traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that i may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that i may fill their treasuries and so i mean the riches you know sometimes god blesses financially here on earth he he blesses physically but we all know i think that the true riches are the spiritual riches right those are the enduring riches and one person said this are the benefits material or immaterial certainly both but predominantly the latter I do believe as you're reading through the Proverbs, God's going to give you a heart to be a good steward and then God can entrust more to you financially, but ultimately it's spiritually. And, and you know, my, my prayer is that because you guys studied the Bible, maybe it's because, you know, you went through this study in Proverbs or whatever, you learned from the, the scriptures that you are to lay up treasures in heaven, the Bible says in Matthew six nineteen through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. And still, there are, are many Christians really who don't have a lot financially on earth, but they do have a lot financially, so to speak, in heaven. You know, there's that, that giving, that heart that they have obediently. You know, us as a church, I, I'm praising God for the way that He has provided for us. It's not like that 
you know, everywhere, and it's just His grace upon our life. I mean, we're even praying about, you know, a building over here. There's a, a church for sale that we're knocking on doors. I mean, it's just so amazing how God has been providing. But again, it's all up to Him, whatever He wants to do. But but I just thank God for you because I know that the Lord has put it on your heart. The reality of that, you're you're when you're giving. You know, to, to see souls saved and built up and God glorified and just all the way that God provides, that you are laying up, you are storing up treasures in heaven, that you are saving in one sense that you're rich. You're rich and the world doesn't see it, but, you know, God sees it and hopefully you see it. You know, they're, they're rich because they live and they give obediently. There's fruit. Notice again there in verse 19, my fruit is better than gold. And of course we know the Bible talks about moral fruit, you know, love, joy, peace. There in Galatians 5, it talks about ministry fruit. You know, and I think, and I just praise God, like I said earlier, that my sister got saved because you prayed. That's fruit. And if it was just that one life, that one life, it's worth it. But think about it. God is saving people. It's so cool. You know, the, the riches of wisdom here we're going to see are, are before time and at the end of time and even during time. And I just want to kind of read this next section right here because, again, it's a personification of wisdom. But it was what God used really to make the world. Look at verse 22. It says, The Lord possess me at the beginning of his way before his works of old i have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was an ever uh, an earth when there were no depths i was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills i was brought forth well as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. And so, you know, you go back to before time began, before God made everything, that's how long, you know, in one sense, wisdom has been around. And remember, this is now being offered to us. And think about the creativity of God making the world. And so when you have wisdom... Imagine what that does to your world. You know, and it's a fine line here again between, you know, wisdom and the personification of it. Uh, an abstraction is made for the personal sake of poetic vividness and it makes excellent sense here we see at the level of metaphor. By, by wisdom, God made the world. Therefore, it's by wisdom He will make and create and even we will participate in making our world. Now, some will say straight out, this is Jesus. But the difficulty with that is that it says right here, he kind of brought me forth, like he made me. And of course, we know Jesus was never made. 
He's always been. That's why he's God. And so there is that aspect of just the personification of wisdom. And what God does is he gives us that wisdom. And like I said earlier, you learn to live life successfully. And the challenges come your way. And you're like, well, Lord, how do I deal with this? Or how do I deal with this situation or this family member and you pray and God gives you power and God gives you guidance every step of the way. God shows you what to do and you make the decisions and then the decisions make you. By wisdom, it was there before time and by wisdom it will continue through time. There's this joy in the whole thing that God is doing. All that leads us to the climax in verse 32. He says, Now therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me watching, and maybe you want to underline that word watching, daily, and you circle that word, (laughs) watching daily at my gates. Here's the word waiting. Underline that one. At the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor or grace from the Lord. But he who sins against me, notice, wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. That's heavy. It's heavy. What we find in the clothes right here, you know, it's like, you know, it's a really the decision between, between life and death. You know, and, and what we find and what I've always shared with you guys as, as a pastor is that I think, I believe with all my heart that we have to abide in Jesus Christ. And that means that every single day I wake up, I get out of my bed, And I go and I make my cup of coffee. And for me, I open up my Bible and I start reading and I ask God to speak to me. Every single day of my life, I want to go and spend time with him, read the Bible, fall to my knees and pray. Because you can't stand before men until you've knelt before God. Every single day. I remember one time there was this one young adult, you know, and he kind of, it was a crazy thing that happened. But here's a guy involved in ministry. And, uh, and, and what ends up happening is one day he calls up these other guys, these other young adults, and he says, hey, I know you guys like to, to go and party. I would like to join you, right? And these were a couple other guys that were kind of uh, kind of backsidden, I guess you could say. And I'm not sure the whole detail, but all I know is those guys, you know, even though they're not coming to church, they know that's not right. Here's this guy serving in ministry, and he wants to come and party with us. And so, you know, they told us, and, and it wasn't me, but one of the other pastors, he sat him down, and he said, what are you doing? I mean, why would you? You're involved in ministry. You say you're a Christian. You're coming to church service. You're, you know, posing that way. Why would you want to go and party with them? And you know what he said? He said, I, I just wanted to take a day off. Imagine that. I just want to take a day off. And, and there are some people, they don't realize that every single day is a factor. Every single day is, 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 it belongs to the Lord. 
And I have learned this, and I love this passage. And again, not trying to preach legalistic convictions or anything, but I'm telling you this, that, you know, how can anyone be, you know, say that they are seeking God, you know, with all their heart, if they don't at least have a desire to, to do what it says right here, to, to be seeking him, it says daily. Verse 34, blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates. You know, and there's a, the listening of the word, there's the watching of the things that are going on in the world because of the signs of the times, watching for his return, waiting on the Lord. You're, you're not hasty. You know, you're waiting on the Lord with eager expectation, great anticipation. You know God's going to come through. This is the life that God has called us to live. Every single day. I, I believe that, you know, I don't know how you guys do this. Um, I, I always wish that I could sit down with every single person in the church. And I'm just curious, like, hey, how do you do it? You know, how do you have your devotions? How do you read your Bible? How do you... You know, what's your pattern? What's your, you know, what's God showing you? Because I don't know, yours might be different than mine, but you've got to have something, you know? And, and so my, my prayer is that we are reading through our Bibles. I always tell you, I think in one sense, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. You know, you're reading through your Bibles. You're understanding the old and the new, and you see Jesus everywhere. You know, it's this daily life. And that's why I think Jesus said when he gave us the model prayer, we're to pray that God would give us our daily bread. It's been said that daily practices over time become habits that are practically unbreakable. So we are to be careful what we weep. As we daily get into the word, as we daily get on our knees and pray, as we daily serve the Lord, as we daily die, Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow. See, that's the life, huh? one day at a time. And as you live that life, then God does.